0: You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where today it is June 29th of 2021, Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every single day. I am the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan Lucas Smith, your host for the show. Thank you once again for tuning in. This show should be a fun one, as the Cardinals have a win to talk about, and it was a decisive win. Um, that said, you know that there's always you know, a word of caution when dealing with with uh, a struggling team that that picks up a win, um, because you know, people try and tend to point to small set of data to try and prove that a team is turning around. And right now, you know, I'll give credit to where credit is due in this win. However, that uh, this one win in a 162-game schedule, and the Cardinals still have uh, close to 80-some-odd games remaining, uh, this one win really doesn't do a whole lot for me in terms of season outlook, not only because it was just one win, but because it was against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are sitting at a cool 275 winning percentage and 22 and 58. Uh, the Cardinals do improve to 38 and 41. They've played 79 games uh, on the season, which means they've got 83 games left. So they're not quite at their exact halfway point to the season yet. Um, but yeah, so again, that, that one win, and they're still eight games out of first place with the Milwaukee Brewers getting an incredible win against Chicago. Um, head over to On Brewers for coverage there. But um, yeah, so I'll get some credit to credit's credit to do. I'll explain how the Cardinals can improve off of this. i will going kind to of go through the game and uh, and see what areas I liked from this game and see what areas I think that the Cardinals can improve upon. Uh, I'll talk about the the roster shuffle, if you will. Um, and, and my thoughts on that. But before I do that, I want to tell you that today we are brought to you in part by Locked on MLB Prospects. Um, Cardinals had some prospects moving. Um, so if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, uh, we have the podcast for you. It's hosted by minor league play-by-play voice, RM Layton who does a fantastic job. And get this, it's the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. So be sure to follow Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Whatever you're listening to me right now, be sure to follow me on that podcasting platform. And if possible, leave a rating. Tell your friends about it. uh, Tell your friends. And you can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Follow me on Twitter at LJFastball. And be sure to drop a, like I said, a follow, a like, a subscription, whatever the the word is for your particular podcasting platform. But uh, let's go ahead and get get into it because... Cardinals, like I said, with the win, there there's some, some positives and some negatives here because I talked about yesterday's show about how a coaching staff change might need to be made, and uh, there's a lot of different opinions out there on Cardinals Twitter, on on any any number of subjects on Cardinals Facebook and um and, and things of that nature. People are trying to be super positive right now. People get mad at pointing at people, other people pointing out negatives in this team and whatnot, and, you know, one could argue that a 7-1 to win with the offense busting out could have saved Jeff Albert's job for the time being. Um, one could also argue that Jeff Albert should still go. One could argue that the pitching, or that the hitting coaches, the pitching coaches don't really matter and that this team just isn't a good baseball team. One could say that about Mike Schilt. Having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine about the, the differences in Mike Shilds' tenure versus Mike Shilds, and how Mike, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike Matheny's tenure versus Mike Schultz. and uh, I mentioned this a little bit on the pod yesterday, but just of how Mike Matheny's mis- mistakes and bad report the team were well documented years before he was fired, whereas Schultz doesn't have either either of those things. So, I just think it, it it's all something that we had to keep in mind. What else do you have to keep in mind is is how this front office views things. John Mozeliak basically said yesterday that you know Jeff Albert, he was asked if you know about basically uh, the the hitting coach and if they're going to get fired and the thought process on staff and what he said in, in in a nutshell. I'm paraphrasing here is that it's a long it's a large staff. Different coaches resonate with different players. I read that as Jeff Albert is not resonating with a lot of players, but other coaches are. And Jeff Albert's just the head guy and they don't want to fire him. I really don't understand that. Like, I get that it is a big staff and one single coach is not going to resonate with every single player. I, I, I do get that. And I'm not trying to just fall for whatever Moselock tells us and whatever the front office says is 100% true, but I do think that there is some some truth to that. Um, but, but again, with this seven run outburst, I don't think that 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 means that this offense is, is is fixed. Um, especially because it was not only against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but it was against a pitcher that was on fumes. Um, Alex Young having to go probably a lot longer than he ever wanted to go and a lot longer. Um, then he probably would have gone in a, in a normal situation. And by normal, I mean playing on a team that is not terrible. Um, and again, I'll talk about the in-game stuff in a, in a little bit. But he ends up going three innings, giving up seven hits, six earned runs. He does walk a batter and strike out two. Alex Young has had some long appearances in the past. He went three innings in his Appearance before that on the twentieth, four innings on the fifteenth, three innings on the eighth. All of these of June, but still just on fumes. Left in a lot longer than you you know probably should have been anyways. But again, th- this this win is one that in a couple of weeks if the Cardinals have turned it around, yeah, you can look at this as a turning point. Um, but but right now it it is just a win against a bad team, and that is what it needs to be looked at as um, a, a small but albeit important step in the right direction. Now, how can the Cardinals take this game and continue to go in the right direction after this game? Um, Well, one of the things that I was really a fan of was Dylan Carlson going two for five, took over the rookie RBI lead. But not just going two for five. uh, You know, the the first one of those hits was an RBI triple. That was kind of a looper down the line that nobody caught. But the second one was a really nice piece of hitting, shortened up good situational hitting by Carlson there was good situational hitting all around um, not early in the game in the third and fourth innings uh, or I'm sorry in, in the sixth inning Cardinals had a leadoff double by Nolan Arnato that they could not bring around to score so that was a fail you know, they didn't even move Arnato off a second base um, in the fourth inning they had a runner on uh, first and second with just one out couldn't get the run home then in the third inning, you had a runner uh, on third with, with less than two outs. Dylan Carlson after the triple couldn't get him home. So those two examples are not good examples of situational hitting. However, in the six-run seventh, you did have good examples of situational hitting. Uh, you had a sac- you had a good example of situational baseball. So I think that that's something that you can carry on. And I'm not trying to advocate for bunting in every situation or every time you have to become more of a bunner, but for you know, Carlson and for Goldschmidt to have good pieces of just making contact with runners in scoring position was huge. And Dylan Carlson's was even with two strikes, and again, he didn't try to do too much; just put the bat in the ball. So that that sixth inning, I think, is really something that the Cardinals—I'm sorry—that seventh inning, the six-run seventh inning, is really something the Cardinals should look back on and say, "Okay, maybe we had something going there," um, and and try and keep that mo- that that that. that that type of situational hitting in their repertoire, also that they could look at Wade Block's um, efforts of only walking one batter in four and a third, not walking a single batter in his first three innings, and the Cardinals' pitching staff only walking three men tonight—one of them by Cabrera, one of them by Waddell, and one of them or Waddell and one of them by the Block—I think those two things. That they can continue could be recipes for success. Mike Shild talked about a postgame. The recipe for a successful season was had tonight. Solid starting pitching, good late situational hitting. That's all it is for St. Louis. And again, like there's this win, we need to see more types of these wins if the Cardinals are going to have a hope of turning their season around. And one could argue, well, you know, we haven't seen prolonged. Types of success, and I would argue that that's not true. They were three games ahead in first place back in May, so I think that this was just a horrific June, just an awful, horrific, terrible June that I think the Cardinals just need to move past. Now, not not move past and not fix anything, because the Cardinals do need to fix a lot of things. I still think that they need to make some trades. That this is a playoff type team, but I also think this is a as it stands right now, is an above 500 team that's not playing like it. So it's, it's an Andor. It's an or. I'm not not and/or. It's a, it's a combination of two different things. This team needs to make trades to improve to be a, a legit playoff threat. Because unlike I thought in the off season, things just haven't come to that fruition. Injuries have happened, but also that this this team is not playing well. I w- I've been wrong a lot on the pitching so far this season. I thought this pitching would be a lot better. So I think the pitching needs to be addressed via the trade market and the offense just has underperformed and I think that needs to be addressed especially if Harrison Bader comes back and he struggles Uh, but again I'll talk about roster changes in segment three next I will continue to talk about what I liked in yesterday's game including a tip of the cap to Wade the Block so segment two coming up here in just a moment with the ever-increasing number of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need Why enter often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer. You have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket on your smartphone. Save time and money when using RockAuto, because if you don't, you could choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts if you're shopping at a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low, so go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. No matter what you need, they've got it covered to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write LOCKED ON in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, rely below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 7-1 so win. And I'm going to start with, with the pitching, Wade block. Hats off to Mr. LeBlanc, at least showing for one start that he was more than just, just a depth move. Going four and a third, four hits, an earned run, a walk, two punch outs, ended up being undone and being forced out of the game via the solo home run by Josh Rojas. And that fifth inning, He threw 47 of 71 pitches for strikes, and I tweeted this out on my Twitter, at LJFastball, but he went through three innings. It did not walk a batter. So no walks in his first three innings of a start. John Gant did that zero times. The farthest he got was two and two-thirds of an inning. I went back and looked at all of his game locks. So not that it's some huge historical feat, but it's an impressive feat because the guy that he's replacing... Or because LeBlanc did something that the guy he's replacing never did. Now, some people were asking on, on Instagram about why LeBlanc wasn't stretched out. He was only at 72 pitches. And, you know, I, I could see the, the frustration about why, why take out LeBlanc. Um, the Cardinals ended up bringing in Ryan Helsley, who threw two-thirds of an inning. I think that if LeBlanc gets the out... Then he's, then he's left in the game, but with a righty and then Escobar, the switch hitter, coming in, I think that it made it a little bit easier to, to bring in Helsley. But also, LeBlanc just hasn't been stretched out a whole lot. I mean, before this, he, he made one start with Baltimore, uh, that, and that was back on April the 24th, and in that start, he gave up four earned and went an inning and two-thirds. Um, he threw three innings with the Cardinals on the 18th of June, and again, that wasn't even in a start. So, you know some people just don't were upset that that he got pulled so early and wanted to see him go a little bit farther and I understand that, but again, I think the is a guy that that isn't gonna go much more than five innings anyways he, he you know he tops out at ninety miles an hour. You gotta wonder if if you're facing a good offense, which he was not facing last night, how many times through the lineup can you really see out of a So I think he was only two outs away from his max anyways. And again, this is one of those things that Schilt makes a decision. Helsley comes in, gets two outs, does his job. If Helsley comes in, gives up a solo home run, then that decision looks looks bad. Because I think it was a fine decision. You could either say it looks bad, it looks worse, whatever it might be. But when the player doesn't produce, that's when it looks. That's when it becomes a worse move than it was. So I think that I was okay. No, I know that I was okay with Wade the Block staying or leaving that game and bringing in Ryan Helsley especially with hindsight knowing that Helsley was going to do his job beyond that um, Ryan Helsley ends up only only going those 2 thirds of an inning so you have to think he's fresh today as Jose Rondón pinched it for him in the 5th and then in the 6th um John Gant was brought in I get you know you gotta find a way to bridge between the starter and the big three in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Somehow they chose John Ganty, got his first out, gave up two singles, got a fly out, um, and then Hennessis Cabrera comes in and he walks the first man he sees in Dalton Varsho. And then the bizarre managerial decision of the sixth, Torri Lovello letting Alex Young hit with the bases loaded in two outs. Cabrera throws three fastballs all right down the middle for the most part, striking out him striking out Young on three pitches. I didn't understand that move. I mean, he he explained that it was because of the the lack of bullpen depth. He only had three more pitchers that he wanted to use for an inning max. You were in the sixth. He, he still had four innings to go because he had to pitch the bottom of the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth. And the ninth. Um just bizarre, and when, when you're a team like the Diamondbacks, when you get so f- when you have so few wins, that would logically lead one to believe that you have so few opportunities. So why squander an opportunity? He basically just said, "Okay, bases loaded, two outs. Eh, I'm gonna go and throw in the towel here and just kind of let. I'm just gonna let it be." Interesting decision to say the fine, to say the least. You can head over, head over to Locked On Diamondbacks for more there, but. I was really fascinated by that decision making process. ended up working out for an inning with Alex Young um retiring the side in the sixth after going up a leadoff double and walking a man uh but before, again before I get to the offense pitching wise um Gantt goes two thirds of an inning Cabrera and then Cabrera gets taken out. Giovanna Gallegos comes in and gets the three outs that he needs to get. I was really impressed with the Gallegos. I didn't think it was his best stuff. Uh, he had some long battles. I thought he left some sliders up to Escobar in the, in, in the first nine-pitch at-bat. But he was able to come in and not allow his inherited runner to score. And that is something that has been a problem for the St. Louis Cardinals this season. And I'll give you that stat in a moment. But th- last night, the inherited runner scored. It was very good for the Cardinals. Cabrera came in, inherited two runners. Neither one of them scored. Gallegos came in and inherited one runner, like I mentioned, and didn't score. Helsley came in in the middle of an inning, didn't let anything happen. Cabrera also gave himself a, ba- a runner on base with a walk and didn't score. So for the Cardinals to, to have success from the bullpen with runners on base, what was huge, because that's something that we haven't really seen, from the Cardinals this season. I mean, at one point, they were worst in the league with runners inherited runners scoring. And now, you know, it's not much better. They're at third. Again, just 79 games in. At 43% of their inherited runners are scoring. Um, the first place San Francisco Giants are worse, 44%. And then the last place Twins are at 60%. So again, it was nice to see some success in the bullpen with some runners on base. We're going to go ahead and switch now to the offense, and they were 5 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, that's good for a 4 16 average, which is huge. Only left six runners on base. And like I mentioned in the first segment, the, the, the good situational hitting, the good hitting with runners in scoring position really almost all came in that seventh inning. Because you had the leadoff double by Sosa, sacrifice bunt doesn't count as an at bat. Carlson single, he advances on a wild pitch. Goldschmidt single, um, and then you have O'Neill up with or uh, O'Neill singles, and then you have a double by Yadier Molina to score. Then another one in scoring position, Paul DeYoung homers. So that's one, two, three, four hits there with for the five hits with, with one in scoring position came in that six-run seventh inning, and. To to me that that says more about uh, just just that one inning than it does as, as maybe more so about that one inning than it does. about the team approach changing. But again, that is something that the Cardinals can take from this game, and and move on from and say, okay, we, we've got some success here. Because baseball, I tweeted out last night. I said it a thousand times on this show. Baseball is 100 percent, in my opinion, a momentum game. And right now, the Cardinals can only hope to use this game as a momentum builder from an offensive and pitching standpoint. Nuke Bar went over three, but other than that, every single starter one through eight had a hit. Carlson, two, Goldschmidt, one. Arrieta one. O'Neill two. Molina, one. DeYoung, one. And Sosa, two. That's a huge positive to take. And again, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say, and I don't want to get it confused, that all of a sudden all these teams' problems are all this team's problems are fixed, everything's going to be fine and dandy, or that that th- th- this team is fixed and is fine, just how it is. But maybe they can gain some momentum and not try and not look so desperate as we get closer to the trade deadline, because if this team is. Over 500, maybe a little bit with closer within striking distance. They have a little bit more leverage. They're not as desperate. They're not as... Yeah, just plain and simple. They're not going to be as desperate now. Hopefully, if they can get to a better position in the standings, they have a little bit more leverage, and that can make it a little bit easier to acquire an impact bat. So, segment three, we'll be talking a little bit about tonight's game and also kind of giving my thoughts on a lot of the roster moves that happened um, yesterday. As the Some of the third basemen are, are moving on up, or at least some of the, the top prospects. I guess you can't even say they're third baseman anymore. Some of the top prospects are moving on up in the Cardinal system. So I'll give my thoughts on that as well as talk about tonight's game coming up here in just a moment. You're used to having a lot of choices when it comes to what you eat, but it matters where your food comes from. Get your nutrition from nature. The Wild Alaskan Company sources wild-caught seafood from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced wild-caught seafood right to your door. You can choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination, and every month there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company's seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never framed or modified, and it contains no antibodies. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership at any time, and they offer 100% satisfaction or your money back. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company. And right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com MLB for $15 off your first box. So you get your nutrition from nature and you save a couple bucks. WildAlaskanCompany.com MLB. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Whether it's baseball that's in full swing or the NBA playoffs that are in full swing or the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs that are in full swing, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. So before the next pitch, be sure to head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% that's right, fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can get that fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit by entering the promo code Locked On, L O C K E D O N, L O C K E D O N. Gets you fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the Cardinals made a flurry of moves yesterday. Uh, the, the the two big name ones, or the two ones that, in my opinion, are getting um, should get, anyways, the most attention. Jordan Walker promoted to high A, and Nolan Gorman promoted to triple I was really happy to hear that. So again, here's a summary of the moves that the Cardinals made. Gorman to A, Nunez to A, Walker to high A. Jake Woodford, Seth Ellis have been optioned. Roel Ramirez and Brandon Waddell to MLB. John Nagowski was DFA. So I'm going to go from... I'm going to go reverse order of what I just said. So I'll start with John Nagowski. That's a tough, tough move for him to get designated for assignment. That dude did nothing but hit in spring training to earn a roster spot and really wasn't giving any remote opportunity at the major league level to do anything productive. Again, I... I, I struggle to say i would have rather this person lost their job than that person but i would have really liked to see lane thomas get dfa'd instead of john nagowski because john nagowski just seems like one of those guys that's going to be a you know he's a little bit up there in age for uh, for somebody with limited major league baseball 28 years old but he just seems like a guy that's going to go out and help a contender next year and hit hits some bombs or at least get a lot of hits Um so hoping the best for john nagowski but again thought it was tough for him to get dfa to make room for brandon waddle to the major leagues and again the cardinals needed the pitching help Don't get me wrong so he needed to dfa somebody i just thought it was interesting that they dfa'd nagowski uh, just a just a tough rap uh, a, t- a tough tough situation there for nagowski um Roel ramirez who you may or may not remember for giving up all those home runs against the white Sox, again brandon waddle uh Wardell, excuse me, keep me that wrong, are called up no problem with with other one of those. Would have liked to see maybe on how Rodon get called back up, but again, you also you want to keep him stretched out as a starter, um, or just keep him in for more seasoning. Who knows? Um, Jake Woodford, Seth Elledge have an option, and it was reported by Derek Gould that Jake Woodford would become a starter down in Memphis. You know, I. I struggle with this one because I do think Woodford has potential. Not as much potential as, say, Johan Oviedo. Um, but I guess Woodford's stuff just isn't really there for me. It'll not not lighting me up with any of his stuff. So we'll see. You know, maybe he can get stretched out as a starter, come back. And once he falls into the starter's routine, that can help him a lot. Who knows? And then Gorman to AAA, Nunez to Double A, Walker to high A. All those are great, great moves. I think that Jordan Walker is being looked at a lot more as a first baseman now after getting drafted as a third baseman. Um, and, you know, maybe he, with, with the timeline works out, maybe Walker ends up taking the place of Paul Goldschmidt whenever Paul Goldschmidt leaves. And Nolan Gorman is going to get most of his reps at second base, which I think makes him closer to the major leagues than if he were to stay at third base, obviously because of Nolan Arenado. So Gorman had been going through a bit of a rough stretch in terms of strikeouts at the minor league level, so the the timing of the call-up could be seen as interesting. But I'm just glad he's getting called up because it's a new challenge, something, you know, he's not going to get stuck in his ways at a A. double-A. So so on the whole, I'm really happy with with the roster shakeup, and I think that that this can provide some positive results, especially if Gorman tears it up for a couple weeks and ends up getting called up to the major league level. Who knows if that's actually going to happen, but it could be interesting to see. So, once again, real quick thought on tonight's game. 7:15, first pitch. Caleb Smith goes up against Carlos Martinez. The only hope that I have for Carlos Martinez. The only reason I have a slimmer, that's right, a slimmer of hope in Carlos Martinez tonight is because of the last time he faced Arizona. Through six no-hit innings before giving up three earned runs in the seventh, dominated Arizona for those six innings Maybe he can repeat that performance. Just maybe he can repeat the performance he had against Arizona, and again, that's the only reason why I have any sort of confidence. Caleb Smith pitched against St. Louis on May the twenty-seventh, two in the third innings, five strikeouts, no runs, or uh, and, and one hit. So he will also. So both pitchers looking to duplicate their successes that they had in the last timeout. We'll see which one's more likely. Well also, I'm betting that we're gonna see more than just Caleb Smith and that the bullpen should be well rested for Arizona coming in to play tonight. We'll see how it goes. Again, the only hope that I have in Martinez that in his belt last his last few starts has done nothing to give me hope. Uh, but his last two starts or his last start against Arizona is what's giving me hope for this one. Uh Closing thoughts are brought to you by Locked On Today. Today they're talking about how the Clippers are back in the game. So get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow this podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts as well. Follow me on Twitter at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals. It's a small step in the right direction. But as one man once said, Neil Armstrong. One small step for man, one large step for mankind. Maybe this is one small step for the team, one large leap for the franchise. Who knows? Time will tell, but right now it is just a win against a team that the Cardinals should have beat. I'll have more locked on to Cardinals tomorrow, breaking down what is hopefully a serious clinching win for St. Louis. Until I talk to you next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic day.